Welcome to Divorce Dialogues. I'm Katherine Miller. Divorce Dialogues brings expert guests to the airways to talk through your divorce questions and fill in the gray areas about separating. From thinking about divorce, to how to behave during divorce, to what to do after, this is Divorce Dialogues. Welcome to Divorce Dialogues. I'm Katherine Miller. I'm the founder of the Miller Law Group and trainer at the Center for Understanding and Conflict. And I am on a mission to change how people divorce and help them divorce with dignity. And my guest today is Beth Barrent. She's the author of the, a book on co-parenting and, and nesting. The book is called Nesting After Divorce, Co-Parenting in the Family Home. And she's a single mother of three. She's written articles about nesting for the New York Times and for Psychology Today and is a regular contributor to Divorce Magazine and a guest blogger on Laura Wasser's It's Over Easy website. She created FamilyNesting.org to share her experiences and provide advice to other families considering this approach to separation and divorce. And it's really about parenting and separation and a divorce. So welcome, Beth Barron. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you, Catherine. It's very nice to be here. Appreciate it. So I think that some of our listeners might be wondering, well, what is nesting and how does it work? So I think you're the perfect person to understand that. Well, I'll give sort of just the, the basic way it's described is like a bird's nest, that the baby birds stay in the nest and the parent birds take turns coming in and out. And so it's the same concept for nesting co-parenting, that the kids stay in the family home during separation and after divorce, and the parents are the ones who move in and out to take care of them. And it can take all sorts of different shapes, but that is the general principle that the kids have the security of staying in their family home. So the idea is that, you know, in a, in a traditional situation with divorced parents, you know, mom and dad are, live in separate homes. They, those are their homes and the kids go back and forth on whatever the schedule would be, week on, week off, two days on, two days off, whatever it is. And in this situation, the kids stay put and the parents do that moving back and forth. Exactly. And yep, on whatever schedule works best for them. I think that people have a lot of concerns about that. And I, and I know you must be a believer in the nesting situation, at least for some people. And so... Can you tell us why you decided to write a book about nesting? Well, primarily because when my ex and I were deciding to divorce and we decided to try nesting, which was about nine years ago, so there was very little information about it, hardly anything at all. So I really wished that I would have had a book (laughs) to turn to so that I felt like I was figuring out everything, you know, from the ground floor up. And so as I went further along and we decided to keep doing it, we now are in year nine of nesting, which was not our original intent, but it just worked out so well for our family that we have stuck with it. And as I got questions from people through my website and as people reacted to the concept, I thought that it would be helpful to others to share the steps that we took. But I also include stories from five other families from different parts of the country, including like Brooklyn, Toronto, I know that's in Canada, (laughs) different parts of North America, and to give an idea of all the different ways that you can do it and 
but there's not just one set way, but to give some guidelines about sort of key things that might work well as you set up the plan. So I have a lot of questions for you, Beth, about this, you know, but I'm curious, since you said this wasn't a, your original plan, what was the original plan? Well, we, I think like most people, I just thought divorce meant break everything in half. In our case, we would certainly have had to sell the family home to be able to afford two homes that were large enough to raise three children. We were, you know, worried about what could we stay in the same school district. That was all I knew was that is what people do. They divorce and they, you know, blow everything up. And I happened to read in Laura Wasser's book called It Doesn't Have to Be That Way. She has a page or so just describing what nesting was. And I had never even heard of it. So once I had that idea in my head and shared it with Bill, my ex, my husband at the time, he liked it as well. And it just was like a light bulb moment that, wait, we don't have to do it the way everybody else does it. There can be other ways to do it. And that was really exciting and relieved a lot of the guilt that we were feeling about what divorce might do to our kids. A lot of times people start out nesting. They say, you know, we're going to nest for a mm-hmm. year or two mm-hmm. and sort of ease the transition period for our kids and, you know, for ourselves and then see where we are and then ultimately transition to a more separate living arrangement. Mm-hmm. And so, what do you think about that? Because, I mean, for me, it just seems like looking back at my own divorce, I'm not sure I would have wanted to nest with my ex-husband for a long period of time, but it seems to be working for mm-hmm. you as well. Yeah, I think, I think that that's a very common approach to set it up as a temporary situation, which frankly is what we did because one of the things that appealed to us was that it was cheaper for us to just find a small apartment, you know, rather than set up two separate houses right away. So we committed to the rent of this apartment for a year. So we said, well, we'll do it for a year, see how things are going. And not to say that there weren't challenges, but the longer we did it, we could just see the benefits for our kids. They had none of that stress of keeping track of things between two houses. Their friends could stop by the house anytime. They were always here. You know, nobody had to keep track of whose weekend it was or where they were. And it was good for both of us, too, to not have the the weight of, like, a second household to completely manage the duplication of the cost of duplicating things for the kids at both places. And But primarily it was just to see how, you know, comfortable the kids were with the divorce. I'll just give an anecdote that was in the book as well, but For the first couple of years, I had my kids see a therapist just because I was, you know, scared about divorce and wanted them to have a neutral party to speak to. And then I wanted, you know, somebody neutral to give me feedback on how they were doing. And after a couple of years, she called me in and she said, you know, I see a lot of kids with divorce in my practice and yours are the first ones I've ever encountered who have never once mentioned the divorce as something that's stressful in their lives. They have the stresses of, you know, being pre-teenagers and teenagers and school and all of the social stuff, but divorce is just not something that is a problem in their life. And that was a really nice confirmation for me that, that it had been beneficial to them. That must have made it all worth it, Beth. <laughs> yes, it was a nice moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So... 
Can you describe for the listeners how nesting has worked for your family and what it looks like on a day-to-day, weekly basis? Yeah, I'll start out with how we did it because it's evolved over the years and COVID certainly threw a wrench in our, our plans. But initially, we, as I mentioned, we shared an apartment outside of the nest. But I, I hate to use the word shared because we were never there at the same time. I would be in the house. Bill would be at the apartment. And then we would literally like pass each other on the street as I was coming into the house and he would go to the apartment. And so we did that for about a year or so. And then we tried, he had his own small apartment, got a furnished studio apartment. And obviously we still thought that was cheaper than buying a second house. So we tried that for a while, but he was traveling so much for work that it didn't really make sense. So we evolved over a couple of years to just that he would do his work travel, which was about half the month. And I would parent when he was traveling and he would parent when he was back from work travel. But what that meant was that we had had a very you know, set schedule. I was in the house Wednesday to Saturday. Obviously, when it became based around his work travel, our schedule became much more flexible. And sometimes I'd be in you know, for a week and a half, sometimes just a couple days. But I'm a freelance writer, so that was not a problem for me. So I think people just, you know, need to look at what the options might be with their schedules, how, you know, just like any co-parenting situation, you know, do you, what sort of arrangement do you need to have, what days of the week and what's fair to everyone. So ours evolved that way and not to throw too much information at people, but now Bill has remarried recently. So when he's not in the house, he goes to his wife's house. She had her own house already. And I'm engaged, and when I am not in the nest, I go to my fiance's house. So that's where we are now after nine years. But the basics right. at first well, were pretty common for nesters to do a, you know, like a single residence or to live with family or something when you're not in the nest. All right, I have a lot of a lot of questions, but before I ask them, I'm <laughs> going to remind people that I'm Catherine Miller, and you're listening to Divorce Dialogues. We're here on WVOX 1460 AM in Westchester County every other Wednesday from five to five thirty bringing you the information and thoughtful dialogue that you need to divorce with dignity. And I'm talking today with Beth Barrett about nesting and her own experience and the book she wrote about it called Nesting After Divorce, Co-Parenting in the Family Home. And I think that one of the big questions that I ask my clients, and, and I, I'm in favor of nesting if, if you can do it, and it, it's a big mm-hmm. if you can do it. And, and so, you know, one of the things that I want to make sure that people talk about are things like what are the rules in the house going to be and you know what do I mean by that I mean like who's emptying the dishwasher who's buying food you know I left you with a full refrigerator Mm -hmm. I came back and there's no milk for my coffee you know these kinds of things so how did you and Bill work that out or was it really not an issue between you oh no we for sure had to work it out and I will say that we had sort of the more traditional division of labor in our household and we were married he had the full-time job and I was responsible for all the you know shopping laundry everything like that so there was a period of ramping him up to take over some of that stuff that he was not used to doing and there was some back and forth about you know who had time to do which tasks who should be responsible for what and in my book I give some talking points as people are exploring nesting about what areas they should set some ground rules for so there's definitely things that are just kind of logistics of the maintenance of the house you know you don't want to show up at seven in the morning and there's nothing for you to feed the kids for breakfast you know you have to have some agreements about the state the house will be in when you return 
Another thing that nesters try to set up early on, at least the ones I know, and this might be good advice for anybody getting divorced, is that we had rules about when the kids could be introduced to a dating partner and how long until another adult might be allowed in the nest. And so often nesters, which you may have experience with this, they'll say, you know, nobody else allowed in the nest for at least a year. In our case, we said, you know, kids not introduced to anybody else, no other adults in the house until Bill and I felt we were dating someone important enough in our lives. And then we had to talk to each other first before we did anything with the kids. And so the dating can be, you know, a hot issue um, as it is for any divorcing couple with kids. But because of the nest, you want to have some rules around that because the goal is that it's a safe space for the kids and that their life is very comfortable and consistent. And so we made a lot of efforts to not, you know, introduce any kind of unknown factors if possible. So a lot of a lot of my clients who do nesting have an agreement that no partners will ever be in the nesting home. Mm-hmm. And and so, mm-hmm. you know, both of you have moved on, obviously. Mm-hmm. You're engaged, you remarried. And so mm-hmm. I wonder if you have a rule like that or I mean that could be kind of awkward. You're married to somebody else. Sorry, new spouse, you can't come into the home that I share with my children ever. Yeah, well, we, uh, you know, obviously got past that point eventually. And as I got to know his, you know, then girlfriend, and he's gotten to know my now fiance, that, you know, we'd have them, it was a gradual thing, have them over for dinner. Definitely, yeah, you know, kept it slow, anything going on at the nest, because we each were able to spend lots of time with them when we weren't parenting, and, you know, be at their houses and not have the distraction of our, our kids. And so I never felt that it was really a challenge to, you know, to date, to get to know another person. Do you think that some people might? Yes. I think it depends on the person that you are meeting. Not everyone is, you know, secure enough or willing to understand what it is you're doing and why you're doing it. You know, at first blush, it sounds just like, well, you're just, why are you just married? Why are you still living? You're still living together. But I think if you, you know, explain it clearly and early on and, in our case, we both were dating people who had been divorced and had kids. And I think they, you know, fortunately for us, they had a respect for when your kids are young, how you do need to, you know, prioritize them over other things. And there was never any pushback from either of them about, you know, jealousy towards the kids or envious of the time that we spent with them. They were both very supportive of that. And so whether that's luck or whether it's, you know, I know I made a point of really communicating early on in dating someone, well, like the very first date, I would explain what was going on. And I didn't have a lot of problems with it, but I know the people, you know, other nesters who have had real challenges with people not understanding or, or wanting it to end and, you know, kind of pushing the, their partner to end it. And so, so yeah, it's a challenge. Like dating after divorce is, you know, a challenge for anybody. But I think the thing is just to be clear that you're not doing it to try to get back with your ex. You know, you're doing it because you think it's the best thing for your kids. Well, I think a lot would depend on the rules that you had. So if you had a rule that no partners mm-hmm. in the in the nesting home ever, in the nest, right? Ever, 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 ever. I know, but people in the beginning, in the beginning, people are not thinking about what this is going to be like. And mm-hmm. there's still so many yeah. hurt feelings and, and unresolved emotions and, and conflicts that is, I think it's hard for a lot of people to really think about a time when that's not 
going to be there, even though you know from experience, and I know from having been through, through my own personal experience, we've been through this with many, many clients, that over time you are able, we're all, most of us, able to resolve a lot of that and feel better about it than we did when we first ended our marriages. Mm-hmm. So, Right, right. So it's just something that I know it's hard to conceive of when you're starting out. And also your kids are, you know, it's hard to know how different it's going to be you know, when they're 15 and 18, then, you know, nine years old or whatever. So, exactly. You know, right. Like this, things don't have to be written in stone. They can evolve and that's okay. That's, they should evolve. You're listening to Divorce Dialogues. I'm Catherine Miller. We're here on WBLX 1460 AM every other Wednesday from 5 to 5.30. And perhaps you're listening on the podcast. We're available wherever you listen to podcasts and on the podcast website, divorcedialogues.com. And I'm talking to Beth Barrett, writer and the author of Nesting After Divorce, Co-Parenting in the Family Home. So, Beth, I wanted to know if people wanted to learn more about your book or more about you and your organization, how can they do that? Yeah, the the best place to start is familynesting.org. That then will link to my other social media like Instagram and Facebook and TikTok and stuff. And it has information about how to order the book and, you know, information about if you'd like to reach out to me directly. I'm happy, you know, to, to help people. I do host a private Facebook group. And so if you search for the name Family Nesting, it will send, you know, an invitation to me, that I'll then open up to you. We do keep it private so people can feel free to explore the idea, you know, if they're not actually committed to divorce yet or, you know, don't want to make that public that they're part of that group. But it's a really helpful group of people who are either just beginning nesting or have been doing it for a long time. There's a lot of great advice. And I'm always amazed at the different ways people have come up to make, figure out how to make it work for their own families. So I want to ask you about Bill a little bit. I'm curious mm-hmm. about how the nesting has affected your relationship with him, because obviously you stayed more connected to him than you might have if you had just divorced and lived in separate homes, obviously raising your children mm-hmm. together, but still not sharing a home. And and I'm wondering if there, as part of answering that question, if there are qualities about him that you think made this work better than it might have in another situation. Well, sure. I guess there's two sides to that. First, he is a creative person, and I knew that we have always worked well together. We've been married for 18 years, so we know each other very well. We always worked together well on kind of big, challenging projects. We'd renovated a couple of houses, and so I knew that we were good co-workers, I guess is the, is the word. Yeah. But after the divorce, you know, emotions were high for sure. Um, it's scary. It's, you know, not what you thought your life was going to be. And, and even though we both knew it was time for the marriage to end, it's still scary to think about, well, what does that mean next? And, you know, you're questioning what you did wrong. And there's a lot of trying to figure things out that can bring up a lot of anger. And so initially, you know, we didn't interact much in the house at all. And we had rules about, you know, what we would discuss, like we didn't talk about the divorce if we were in the nest, we would schedule time at a coffee shop to make sure that we didn't, you know, bring anything up in front of the kids that they shouldn't be hearing. 
And we tended to just really come in and out very quickly of the house and not interact. We left a lot of notes for each other about, you know, Jack has soccer Thursday, there's play practice Friday, whatever, that mm-hmm. a lot of just communicating by text or notes. And over time, though, you know, after that first year and then into the second year, and it just was easier to just talk to each other. And, you know, we had family events like the kids' birthdays and so you're around each other like any divorced people are. And so I think because of the nesting situation, it probably forced us to interact with each other more than we could have because we couldn't just drop the kids off in the driveway, you know, and drive away. There's kind of, they're here in the house and you have to come in the house and you're going to see your ex. And Bill says, you know, it's harder to keep hating somebody than it is to stop the hating. And so we really just, you know, got more comfortable with each other, enjoyed the kids together. And so over time, I think our relationship became, I think we set a much better example of an adult relationship for our kids than we did when we were married, for sure. And I think it's cool that our kids saw us, you know, take what sounds like a really terrible thing, just the word divorce is scary and awful, but they enjoy spending time with us. They love, you know, coming home from college and we'll make family meals together and hang out here, whether it's our parenting time or not. And it's really developed to a really nice situation that I had high hopes for back when we started it and tried to hold that vision in my head and uh, we eventually got there. So Beth, when do you think you're going to stop messing? Well, Barring unforeseen circumstances, our plan right now is that our youngest is just entering high school. We have one who's in college, another who's going to head to college in the fall. So the youngest will keep the nest while he's in high school. And then obviously we won't need to keep nesting after that. I don't know what we'll do with the house and stuff. But that's when it'll end when he heads off to college. So do you think that nesting is right for every family facing divorce? Well, no, of course not. You know, sadly, I do think it's right for a lot more people than are doing it. You know, I think a lot of people really could make it work. I think they either don't understand what it is. They think it involves having three houses or something, you know, financially crazy. But And you can have a contentious divorce and still, you know, set up boundaries so that nesting can work. But definitely people who should not do it, you know, would be instances of abuse or addiction or if the kids didn't want to be left alone with one or the other of the parents, you know, of course, the whole point of this is to have the kids feel safe and happy. And so there are certainly circumstances where it's not the right people to even give this a try. What surprised you about the nesting that you weren't expecting? Well, touching back on what you asked me about earlier, I think the friendship that Bill and I have developed because of this, it's a real like source of pride for us that. And therefore, we're committed, you know, to keep it working. And so that was certainly not what I was, you know, I mean, I was, we were divorcing and we were like not keeping our lives together. But I'm really glad that it didn't work out that way. We had a long history together. We're very fond of each other's families and, you know, have friends who can still come and stay with us and we see them both. And so there's just a lot of, it's like the good things of our marriage kept on going, but we, don't have the bad things anymore, which is great. 
You know, I remember a client of mine saying when, who decided to do nesting, and they had children who were in high school and nowhere near the length mm-hmm. of time that you, you contemplated mm-hmm. and actually was able to accomplish, at least so far. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I remember her saying to me, this is awful. I hate this going back and forth and living in two places. Mm-hmm. And I said to her, well, you know, you could always end it because there were some provisions in the agreement to allow either mm-hmm. parents to, to end the nesting unilaterally. And she said, oh, no, I would never do that because I wouldn't want to put my kids through the pain mm-hmm. of what I'm going through, going through back and forth and living in two homes. And I was really yeah. struck by that, that, you know, that these parents having chosen to have children and then chosen mm-hmm. to not be married to each other anymore are choosing to take the discomfort on rather than to put it on their children. And so in our last mm-hmm. uh, 30 seconds or so, that's Parent, what what advice do you have for people thinking about nesting? Thirty seconds. Okay, um, think creatively. There isn't just one way to do it. Um, if you could look at my book, hopefully it would help you with some guidelines and some ground rules to set up. And and just don't rule it out just because it sounds weird. <laughs> and also, just really quickly, what do you think Bill thinks about you having written a book about it? Oh well, I ran it by him before I even wrote it, so um, he's read some of the things that I've written. So he's been very, very supportive. Awesome. Beth Barron, thank you so much for being my guest on Divorce Dialogue. Thank you so much. It was great.